Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Sarah, it's so cool to meet you. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> meet you too. I, you have a yeah. whole podcast about 1999. We, well, we do. We do. We've talked a lot about you. Mostly about you. Why wrap also, it up? Why wrap it up? Well, we've been doing it for five years. So uh, we're out of 99 content. Is <laughs> really what it comes to. Do another year now? I mean, we're, 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 we've talked about 2009 on our Patreon. So I want to talk to you about Splice too, because that was in 09. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so do you want to start it off, Kenny? Yeah, I do. Um, This is very exciting. I'm really into (laughs) it. I'm really excited too. I've actually listened to the podcast a couple of times because people have sent it to me. So I've like been doing strange workouts while listening to it and just perplexed that it exists. But it's really, it's great. It's been excellent for my ego. I really appreciate it. Oh, good. That's why we do it. Everyone could just stay in 1990 when I was kind of a big deal. God, I hope you. I I hope you listen to our Guinevere episode, which is really just a love letter to you. That one, I mean, yeah. Here's the thing: like that's a movie that's so forgotten. So it's so was so nice to hear that because also Audrey Wells remained a really good friend of mine who directed that film and died a few years ago. And I think I actually heard that episode shortly after she died, and it was so. Um, it really made me feel great to know that that film had been remembered in that way. It's, it's a really, movie. really lovely film. And we, we had, um, we had a uh, Canadian writer director Chandler yeah. Levac on for, as our oh, guest yeah. for that episode. She also came on for last night as well. Yeah, so we'll, I love her film too. It's great. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Awesome. I saw it. I saw it at TIFF and it was, it was tremendous, but it's called, I like movies. Go see I it. like movies. Indeed. Indeed. All right, well, we have to get on the pod before. Well, we can there's, also there's, just put this in there too, but you know, we're gonna put it in there. All right, we're gonna put it all in. It's gonna be great. You know what? Let's just let's do it like that. I'm gonna do let's the go. Gonna do the, I'm gonna do the the intro, but we're gonna do the little great. thing before. All right, awesome. It'll be great. great. Uh, hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we occasionally talk to the star of four movies that came out in 1999 and the director of a movie that's out right now. Yes. Um, out right now would certainly be out by the time you're listening to this everywhere ish. Um. Director of Women Talking, director of so many great movies, also used to be an actor. Uh, we'll talk about that. But, um, I mean, truly, the coolest thing that's happened um, to us, period, end of story. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Polly is on our podcast. How about that? Thanks it's incredible. for having me. Thank you oh for having gosh. me. And thank you for caring about 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we... 
when we started this podcast, the third film that we did was Go. Um, and, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, Kenny went to see Go and then went to see Go again, literally turned around, bought another ticket and went to see it a second time. Um, and, and you know, you were in, technically you were in five films released in 99, but we were unable to find a copy of The Life before this. So, um, there, I, I mean, I, that movie might be wonderful, it, uh, but we have unfortunately not seen it. But we did talk about Go, Guinevere, Last Night and Existence. So you were in four films in... in uh, Oh, so five, yes, five Yeah. Uh, four films that were released in 1999, not to mention the films that you were shooting in 99. So there's that too. So, so we'll talk about that as well. But have you rewatched or watched any of your performances from 1999? No, I don't think so. Um, okay. It's so strange to me when you, when you describe the year that way in terms of my productivity, because my main memory of that year is lying in bed depressed. So oh, I don't no. know. How, I don't know how I squeeze that in. I, I squeeze that in somehow, like a real. So I'm, so I, I'm yeah. sorry that happened. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that happened too. Well, you know what? It led to me making my first short film. So it was definitely worth it. But um, I think, you know what I'm realizing? I think it was the year also that I dropped out of almost famous Indeed, I was going to ask. Cast but... <laughs> in American Beauty and Almost Famous at the same time. Oh, wow. I chose Almost Famous and then I dropped out of Almost Famous. And then I think after that, I went into a depression because I thought, well, if I don't want to, if I don't want this, what am I doing being an actor? Because this is what everyone had right. wanted. So what am I doing? And then out of that depression came the idea for my first short film, which was a terrible film, but made me realize I wanted to write and direct. So it ended up being... Um, a good thing, but, it was, but it was crazy because then I looked up. Yeah, I looked up 1999 in preparation uh-huh. as I like to prepare for things, especially this podcast. <laughs> and I realized that there were there were other films that I almost did. So I was offered Boys Don't Cry, Girl Interrupted, and American oh. Beauty. So wow. I could have wow. been a bigger deal in 1999, and you would have had to have me on more often. <laughs> and dedicate more airtime this podcast to me and that would have made it worth it to just drive myself a whole of work i mean my so my question is first of all that's crazy i mean you have to obviously there's a whole sliding doors component of like what could have been had you done those films but you also i just read your book which is phenomenal and everyone needs to read your book um anyone who is an artist or a human being quite frankly should read it it's a it's a wonderful wonderful book no um (laughs) Uh, so everyone should go out and buy or listen to um, Run Towards the Danger Uh, truly wonderful book but um, in it you talk about you know not wanting to be famous and I I don't say this with any judgment whatsoever you had a tumultuous childhood as a as a young actor so it's not a surprise that you didn't necessarily want to be famous but you did have these huge opportunities and I wonder were you cognizant of the fact that you were steering away yeah, I mean, literally a film yeah. called Almost Famous. I mean, it's not. No, I was because I, you know I know it's called Almost Famous, and it's kind of hilarious because it's literally the reason yeah. why I ran for the hills. And I remember sure. being in rehearsal for Almost Famous, which Brad Pitt was also in Almost Famous, but then mm-hmm. he didn't show up to rehearsal. So rehearsal was sort of me sitting in a room with Cameron Crowe waiting for Brad Pitt. Um, sure. That was what we've all been there, in obviously. Almost Famous, yeah. Yeah, like the '70s tunes, and wondered if Brad was going to show up, um, and. I remember that during that rehearsal process, quote unquote, mm. there was a photo shoot for Vanity Fair, like a cover shoot of. We did a whole episode on it. I was oh, you ask did? You about it. Yeah, yeah. That was nineteen ninety nine too. Okay, that's funny. Yeah. And I remember sitting there in that photo shoot, going, "Oh, right. Whoever's going to play this part is getting really famous. Yeah. That's not what am I? That's not the plan. That wasn't the plan. This is the opposite of the plan, and it." Mm me there were a bunch of other reasons i dropped out of that movie um but i that that was a big one that was a big big part of it was this idea of it was a direct path to exactly the kind of fame that i was not hoping for and even you know having been in going guinevere and being at sundance Mm -hmm. that year and the kind of hoopla around that they always felt they had to like name an it girl at sundance and i was the it girl that year Mm -hmm. and I just didn't understand what it had to do with, I mean, I was very earnest and very humorless at that stage. So I, I was, I don't know what this has to do with artistic endeavor. <laughs> this is I, I, 
Still don't. Still don't. Did you? I thankfully have lost a lot of integrity and therefore earnestness since then. Yes. Um, but I, but at that time, I just was, I didn't know how I'd ended up in the thing that I thought I'd always been trying to escape. Even though I loved right. working with these filmmakers and loved doing it, the price seemed really high. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so I grew up in Toronto, so I knew you were a big deal before all of this. But um, Go did put you on the map, if well, let, like, right? Well, I mean, Sweet Hereafter really Sweet Hereafter, seems, sure, sure, sure. seems like the sure. one, even, you know, as yeah, I, 15, <laughs> that's the Listen, yeah. I'm not, I, I mean, do on I'm not podcast. throwing shade that's at Sweet Hereafter. Bill says something, and, and then then I then I I come at him, <laughs> and then the guest comes on. I my obviously side. saw so, Sweet yeah. Hereafter. Do you, remember, do you remember a little a little movie called Sweet Hereafter? Adam Bogoyan. Uh That was a great movie. You were so good. It is a great and, movie, and you're and amazing. I do, yeah. I, no, I do feel like that. You know, at least from my perspective, was when I knew your name, I knew your face, and it became you know kind of. Uh, uh, I, I had just, a I had a permanent date with you in the theater after that. I need to I need to defend myself a little bit here. Sweeter Afters in '97. Go was a movie that was released by a major studio, even if it was picked up sort of afterwards, kind of thing. Um, and it was a cool hip movie. No offense to Sweet Hereafter, but like Sweet Hereafter did not set the world on fire in the same way. Uh-huh. And I felt like I saw Go in the theater. I, I mean, I, I love Sweet Rapture. I'm not. I'm not no, shitting. I Sweet know, Rapture. I know, I know, I know. I'm just. I can't believe you know me on here to shit <laughs> Such a weird choice. And they did. Yourself, it is a weird choice. They, they didn't, Sarah. I, I said this whole time it's going to be all sweet hereafter, and Phil's <laughs> like, it's, it's not that cool and hip. So what are we going to do? <laughs> I just. I. I do think that I, my question to you, Sarah, is: Did you feel that like go and hit a vein, and that you were sort of like, I don't want to be in that lane? Do you know what I mean? Okay, not at all. I had no idea. <laughs> That's amazing. It's very recently that I've realized that a lot of people saw Go because a lot of guys come up to me and say, oh, I loved Go. So I, I don't know what it was. I think I was at home in Toronto, really insulated. Sure. I didn't go on talk shows or do any of those things. So the only feedback I got when it came out was, you know, it's such a drag. You didn't support the movie well more. It really didn't do that well. <laughs> so really? that was my yeah i really had huh. the sense that it didn't do as well as they would have liked at the box office that i didn't support it that i probably shouldn't put myself or a filmmaker in that position again where i was in a film and then didn't want to go and support it and do interviews right i did not have a sense that it was that big a deal until really recently where people come up to me and talk about what a big movie it was for them at the time yeah. and i'm always really kind of surprised by it it was i mean obviously we did an episode on it it was a long time ago so i actually rewatched go recently just to kind of put it back in my head a little bit and i mean it's definitely a, a relic of its time um and i don't say that with any you know uh judgment i do think that um but it is a very fun movie and and i listened to your uh to the podcast you did uh for now magazine with doug lyman back in 2019 where you kind of which you know first 20th anniversary you kind of talked about it a little bit but um you know it's it, it it was a cool hip movie that kind of you know uh it's maybe the only rave movie i can really think of quite honestly that really kind of tapped into that subculture um we've done yeah. others but they were no i mean you know having done literally every movie in 99 like we yeah. just did human human traffic right mm-hmm. which is a rave movie but it is yeah yeah not go you know it didn't it it it, yeah. it, it just didn't have that same you know um that 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 same market you know uh the energy of it too it's like the doug lyman component which you know i'm curious about you know you've obviously you've become a writer director and we're going to talk about you know four films that you were in as an actor um but i'm curious as to sort of what you um learned from doug lyman like as as a it was early as you mentioned on that podcast but there's a very loose kind of I don't want to say cinema verite, but kind of cinema verite style to his films. Even now with $150 million budgets, he has that sort of effervescence. Is yeah. that something that you have tried yeah, to I emulate mean, in I anywhere? I didn't want to be and go. I read the script and I didn't really respond to it. And I thought the structure was kind of derivative of Pulp Fiction. And I just was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like I'm not, I liked the character. I thought that was interesting, but I didn't really want to work. And I remember being in LA cause I was doing a read through of Guinevere Mm-hmm. Um, for Audrey, which I desperately wanted to do. 
And I was about to leave town and Doug, because, you know, he's Doug, was like, I need 10 minutes with you before you leave in the morning. I'll come to your hotel. I just need 10 minutes. And and I remember I had breakfast with him and then kind of going, I don't even know. Did I actually read the script at that point or did I been avoiding it? I got something like that. <laughs> so he, I think maybe I hadn't even really read the script. I'd skimmed it. And he sort of talked to me about his style of filmmaking and about how he wanted to sort of break rules about he wanted to, you know, this whole idea of backlighting people came from a time, you know, in a a kind of filmmaking that didn't need to exist anymore and how he operated the camera himself. And he had so much energy and, you know, knowing Doug, as I do now, who, you know, he remains a very close friend. um, You know, I, he, he doesn't let go of something. And if you say no to something, it's just for him a challenge. So I think the main attraction of me playing that part was I was the only person not coming after it. And so that made him, for me, for him, then the, I was the only person because right. he the just chase. likes the chase. Yeah. He likes the chase. Right. So he, I remember sitting with him and going, I, I kind of find this guy incredibly entertaining, very fun to make fun of. And he seems really <laughs> like he has interesting ideas about film. And I've never oh. thought of films, but maybe I could learn from him. So he sort of, as I left, he went into his car and he pulled out of the trunk like this like disgusting stained version of a script and was like, read it on the plane. And I did, and I just, I basically made this deal with them where I said, if if I can shadow you and you can mentor me, I mean, I didn't think I wanted to make films at that point, but I was like, I might as well learn. This guy's really interesting. You know, I'd love to do it if I can kind of follow you around. And and I also had the feeling that this is someone I'm going to be friends with forever. And that turned out to be true. I mean. Oh, that's fucking cool. That's awesome. Part of my life. And- what a cool, Yeah. Whenever that's the best thing to come out of God. my basement. He's like a gazillionaire. <laughs> he doesn't need to stay in my basement, but he stays in my basement whenever he's shooting in town because he and my kids love each other. And, you know, it was a great, a great choice to make that film. I mean, it was also crazy and he's crazy on sets and makes no sense, but wonderful and full of life and um, like a deeply good person. Do you on on your sets... Do you try to sort of have, I mean, I, from what I've heard, it's, it's a somewhat chaotic set with, with Doug. And obviously you don't want chaos in your set necessarily, but um, the fluidity, the kind of just sort of the, the joy that he also seems to bring, is that something that you try to have on your sets? I think I'm really different than Doug in terms <sighs> sure. of the environment I want to create. I think <laughs> I had a lot of chaos in my childhood. I'm not super interested in creating yeah. a work environment and I'm yeah. really conscious I think as Doug gets older, he tries more and more to be conscious of impact mm-hmm. and of mm-hmm. chaos. And But that's, you know, he loves adventure. And I always think filmmakers could be separated into, if it, if it was a time before the medium of film existed, sure. I always think most filmmakers would either be writers or adventurers. And I would have been a writer and Doug would have been an adventurer. <laughs> and they're very different modes on set, I think. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, you worked with, with, very different filmmakers over the course of 1999. Um, <clears throat> you were you were a small part in Existence, directed by written and directed by David Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like? The, the David Cronenberg experience. I mean, it was great because I just had this really long monologue. I had to deliver yeah. it in front of a whole bunch of my favorite actors. Like I was standing sure. in front of Ian Holm and Christopher Eccleston, who had literally given my favorite performance of all time, and Jude. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jude Law, and I just had to speak in front of them for five <laughs> full minutes. And it was terrifying, but he is such a relaxed presence on set. I mean, he literally reads Auto Trader behind the monitor, and the slate comes in, <laughs> and he's still reading it, and you wonder if he's going to look up. And he doesn't look up till the second syllable of action. He goes, and action. And the eyes only come up after the shun. And then he's totally engaged. He's really hands off. He lets you know if something isn't working, but basically he's just seems kind of happy to be there and God. trusts people and just like calm and lovely. You know, it's always the directors like that. Put it all out, put all their crazy on the screen. We're just so chill and placid behind, right? I remember <laughs> once I heard Martin Scorsese say, you know, you talk to David Cronenberg, I mean, you see his movies, you think he's going to be crazy. He's basically like talking to a banker. Like it's like him <laughs> or something. <laughs> He's just so normal. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, last night was, was one of my favorite uh, movies of this year. And, and one of my favorite discoveries along with Guinevere, actually, you were in two movies that I just 
like lost it for that I didn't even know really before. And uh, Cronenberg in that movie is such a revelation. I, I, he's Great so actor. calm and cool, such and he's yeah. such a good actor. Yeah. Did you cross paths with them uh, on the acting side of things in last night? Because you don't have any scenes together in that film, I but I don't know if you no they yeah, knew they each other once yeah. or twice, but not not he's really. really. And then good. I cast him in um, in Alias Grace. I made a miniseries, and we ended up playing a part in it based on his based on the performance in last night, which I think is an amazing performance he's he's tremendous you know we talked about it on the on the uh i believe it was the the last night episode about him as an actor i mean he's he's in to die for uh he's got a great episode he's, of, of he's Alias. my favorite actor i think <laughs> <laughs> i think I've, i think i've decided he's my number one so <laughs> take, um, take so- a hike stanley tucci <laughs> <laughs> so you how did guinevere come into your life so it was around the time that the Sweet Hereafter had come out and I had a lot of agents approaching me from the various agencies in LA. I didn't think I needed or wanted an LA agent, right. um, and, but they were all sending me scripts, which was great. Like I had five agencies sending scripts and trying to show that they were good agents. So they get me work. So it was just one of, you know, a moment where people wanted to represent me. It was great. Um, and, uh, and I got Guinevere from all of them as a script and Interesting. I got so excited about it. It just went right through me. I felt I understood it deeply. I just wanted nothing more than to play that part. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Audrey Wells on the phone about it and her way of articulating the ideas behind the films she was making was just breathtaking. Um, and I remember one of the things she said that was so key. And I said, why did you write this film? And she took a long pause and she said, I think that men have always held the keys to knowledge and the things that we've had to do to negotiate that and get those keys, like in terms of the keys to learning, the keys to higher education, the keys to um, to power. And so watching how a young woman tries to negotiate that and is manipulated by it. Um, anyway, it was just it was just a beautiful speech she gave I wish I could remember it in detail um and so then I think my audition really was I was invited to go down and do a read-through of the whole script in front of a lot of people too in front of a lot of Audrey's friends um and I don't think anyone else at the read-through ended up in the movie but uh yeah by the end of it literally she took me out for coffee afterwards and just said that I had the part and I was so happy I was so happy that shot in Toronto? I think it no, did, right? No, it was no. in uh, LA and San Francisco. I thought of San Francisco. Oh. I remember those roof shots. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it was, I mean, really just a, just a gorgeous film and one of those, you know, one of those gems that, um, that needs to be unearthed. And, you know, I, I just, yeah, not that I really no one has seen it. Like, I don't know how else to put it because, uh, we didn't really, you know, we we put it together a really extensive list and uh only with a bit a bit of digging on our end to even find that it existed did we did we uh get there. But man, what a great film, what a great filmmaker, what a great writer. Um obviously a great cast. Her best films were yet to come. And you know, if she were alive and working now, she'd be making all of those films. It really she really missed the moment of people giving a shit about female filmmakers. And it it drives me crazy because she had some of the best scripts I've ever read in my life. Ready? Yeah. Oh, well. She's yeah. not the only one. There have been some really, you know, ups- know, upsetting situations recently. Just, and particularly, we see it a lot. Not to, you know, take it off, uh, but we see we there are a lot of filmmakers, female filmmakers, who had great films in 1999 who never got a second film, or are just now kind of like Jamie yeah. Babbitt's a good example, who are j- just now is getting like recognition. Oh, the person who you know, but I'm a cheerleader might have something else in her. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Well, same with I mean Kimberly Pierce with Boys Don't Kimberly Cry. Pierce, also another example. Yeah. It's it. Ninety nine was a really. I mean, it's an interesting year for in a myriad of ways, obviously. But it it did feel like there were a lot of moments where you saw these flashpoints of these careers that, for whatever reason, just didn't you know get other opportunities. But you you mentioned that the female filmmaker component of it. Did seeing Audrey write and direct this Guinevere did that in sort of elicit ideas for you? Huge for me. And again, I mean, Audrey was one of my closest friends, and 
until this film, the person who always read my script first and mm-hmm. gave me notes and like, you know, it's really hard. Now the idea of writing scripts and making films without her there, because she's she remained such a huge part of my life and process. And um yeah, I mean, she it was ama- it was amazing seeing a woman direct a film. She was so confident, she was so calm. She also um she introduced me to my one of my favorite films, Scenes from a Marriage, the sweetest version by sure. by Bergman, oh. <laughs> um, the one that was made for television uh, in Sweden. And that ended up being the catalyst for my short film, the only one I'm proud of, called I Shout Love. And um, so, yeah, she was a huge, a huge mentor for me. There's actually an interesting story about Guinevere that, you know, isn't a story that's really been told, which is there's a climactic scene of that film that isn't in the movie. And the climactic scene of that movie is he gets, Stephen Ray's character gets really jealous of a young, good looking man at a party and loses it on my character and screams and screams and is so verbally abusive. My character runs into the shower, turns on the shower with all her clothes on and just becomes hysterical. And he ends up getting in the shower behind her and kind of cradling her, but it's just, this visceral, visceral, ugly scene. And it was in my mind, the best scene in the movie. It was definitely the best I have ever been. And Harvey Weinstein demanded it be taken out because it made Steven's character look too unsympathetic. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, the older man looking unsympathetic in relationship to the younger woman. So I have this idea right now that I want so badly to have like an anthology film of um, the scenes that Harvey killed. Yeah. As I'll bet there are a lot of amazing scenes in movies that were destroyed by him. And there might be a moment for them to come back. You know, it's not just Harvey. I mean, Harvey's awful. Yeah. But I, I just was listening to Karina Longworth's erotic 80s, which I love. It's like my favorite thing. And she does, you know, her 88 episode is all about her 87. 87 episode is all about Fatal Attraction. Sure. And Fatal Attraction had a different ending, too, uh, where Glenn Close's character had more humanity and Glenn Close's character had more agency. And you were meant to kind of, you know, feel a little bit more at least even handed about this relationship and a little bit more mm-hmm. on the side of of uh, Michael Douglas is a shit you know it just he's a, he's wow. and it sh- they they shot it and they they you know they um tested it and all that stuff and it you know to to their credit kind of Glenn Close refused to do reshoots Adrian Lyne refused to do reshoots and then finally they just they just beat him down um paramount just beat him down and and kind of made him do it and glenn close kind of talked herself into a way that it worked and adrian line kind of talked himself into a way that it worked but you know it seems like this is this yeah heart not defending harvey total piece of shit but this is this is the whole industry right the whole industry is i think female filmmakers first and foremost but many filmmakers trying to make films that you know take care of their characters in a way where i you know love all your characters right or at least have you know empathy and understanding for them and then these studios come in and just say ah no we we, we need more black and white we need more good you know sure. good good guys and bad guys and and that's that's upsetting because i think so much of the i i still got what i think audrey was going for guinevere um you know we i think we yeah, absolutely i think, it's still I think we all cut yeah we all kind of left being like wow that guy was a real piece of shit <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that guy was a real real scumbag but um 
But yeah, I, I, that it is a, it is a little upsetting because sometimes you have to walk away from that movie and almost kind of do a little forensic analysis of, I think this is what was there, right? right I think right, this right. is what we're supposed to take from it. Yeah. But you, yeah. So. Well, I do feel like, I mean, and forgive me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but in some of the research that I did on Guinevere when we did the episode, it, he kind of buried that movie a little bit, right? Like he didn't, uh, that Harvey didn't necessarily get behind the film in the uh-huh. way that, that, I mean, we had to excavate this film for lack of a better way of putting it, which is unfortunate because it's a wonderful film and everyone should see it. But you have to wonder whether or not the film was a little triggering for him, <laughs> just oh, by and large. Yeah, and I, I think we talked about that too. Yeah. Yeah. And also that was around the time he invited me to his office and sort of was not super mm. subtle about, you know, mm. if you have a certain kind of relationship with me, like these other Oscar winning actresses have had, then, you know, you, you will have a certain kind of career. And I was like, I'm not very ambitious. Sorry. Like what, I don't know what you're implying, but I'm interested. And then it was also around that time. I'm trying to figure out the timing here, but it was someone online posited this. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I was interested in it, which is that I was basically led to believe that I had the part in Gangs of New York. Like I'd been communicating with Martin Scorsese about it for a year. We'd like even sending all the versions of the script. I did a workshop with Leonardo DiCaprio. It was like, seemed clear that I had the part. And then, um, and then that conversation happened somewhere around there. And then suddenly I didn't have the part anymore. So I don't know. It may be connected. It may not be. It was someone on Twitter suggestion. I was like, Hey, person on Twitter. You may have solved a mystery for me. It's also possible I just wasn't very good in the audition, but I, it, it felt it felt like it was a, a sure thing, and then suddenly it it wasn't. So who knows if the burial of Guinevere had something to do with that? Who knows if Gangs of New York had something? That is such an asshole. It, really I mean, these are all theories, but they may not be true. But knowing Harvey, it, it it wouldn't be totally unlikely that they were unconnected. I mean, Gangs of New York would have also been a very big movie, and would have also, you know, perhaps made you more famous as well, which I guess my question to you is sort of, and forgive me if this is a somewhat silly question, but like, what does being famous mean to you? Because after reading your book, I was sort of hit with the idea that like, nothing good, (laughs) right? Like, now on some level, I imagine that, you know, your, your fame has helped you sort of shine a light on any number of issues that, that, you know, politically in Canada and any number of things. And that that's a positive. But are there, you know, how does it feel to you now, you know, fame? I mean, I feel like I have this amazing privilege right now of being known enough that I don't have to be awkward at parties and like someone will sure. talk to me first. <laughs> and also that you can be involved, you know, involved in public conversations when you want to be, but not so famous that anybody loses their mind ever. You know what I mean? Like not so famous that people feel ownership over me or proprietary. Just wait. Except for you two. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm just going to say. This is what I've been avoiding is exactly this moment. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it nice? Isn't it lovely? It's very nice. Maybe I should have been more famous. I could have felt like this all yeah. the time. No, I just, I, 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 got, I got bad news for you for the next six months of your life. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, has, I... it has been though, like, I'm not like no one. I mean, in walking down the streets of Toronto, the most that happens to me in a day is someone just says hi, like they know me, but nobody... Right nobody's being crazy or, you know, needing something from me or um, I, I don't know. Like I, it ha- it's been fine. I mean, sometimes it's more than I'm comfortable with, but it's not that much actually. Like I'm, I don't get recognized a ton and life is kind of chugging along in this really nice way. I'm able to do work I really want to do, but I don't have this enormous cost of the fame that I see in, you know, some of the people I've worked with where just walking down the street is a horrible nightmare. Um, and I just can't imagine what would be worth that. You know, Phil and I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every day, not a nightmare. Uh, like, I, only when we speak though, because they, they know our yeah, voice. When they hear us, that's when they, when they, when it triggers it. I do want to, um, before we so let you go, because we didn't like American beauty. Uh, before we let you go, we like American lo- beauty? I want to hear all about it. Oh, we can. Well, it's not our first episode. It's not. It was supposed to be our first episode. It was supposed to be our first episode, but then um, the allegations against him came out right after we recorded it before we released it. So we pushed it to the fourth episode with a little disclaimer that you know we didn't we didn't talk about. You know, we speculate a lot on this podcast because you know 
What are you gonna sue us? <laughs> I mean, take our take our recording equipment, it. go nuts. Uh, but we didn't get to really have Adam the way we would have liked to. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tricky movie to say the least, and we could talk for hours with you about that. But it's we know that it gets more complicated <laughs> as the years go on. That movie, it really does, does. Not age well. It does no. not age well. No. You dodged a bullet, I think, on that one yeah. in many ways. It's but um, what I'd love to hear is some of your favorite films from 1999. If that's yeah. something that I know that I know you struggled with this a little bit. <laughs> but... I did, although one of my favorite films of all time was made in what came out in oh. 1999. So Magnolia yes. is to me one of the great films ever made. And I had this wow. amazing, <laughs> kind of heartbreaking, but amazing experience watching it which was I was at the very beginning of a relationship with somebody and I really thought he was amazing and I was kind of in a depression Mm. and we went to see this movie it was like our third date or something and just as the lights were about to go down he turned to me and said I think you're amazing and I'd like to have a relationship with you but I think the point you're in in your life right now it's you really have to take care of yourself and I just feel like this would be really destructive to continue at this moment. And then the the lights went down and I watched Magnolia and I sobbed through the whole movie. Um, and so, it, but it was the perfect thing to watch in that moment. And I was almost grateful for having been rejected at sure. that moment before that movie, because wow. it was like watching it. I don't know, in 3D or something. It was just the most profound experience. And then that person later, you know, years later was like, you misunderstood me. I actually wanted to have a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) He was really upset. And I said, you dumped me right before Magnolia. And he said, no, no, I was just saying we should take some time, make sure you've got therapy and stuff because I didn't want to be taking advantage of you in some way. And I went, oh my God, I'm so glad I thought that you rejected me because it made for such a great (laughs) film watching experience. (laughs) (laughs) Over the possibility of having a relationship with you. It was incredible. movie watching experience ever and it was so painful and amazing and then topsy-turvy was Uh-oh. huge for me <laughs> do you hate well, it and before we before we get into topsy-turvy you know magnolia is going to be our last movie it it's is our last movie phil is and it? i are if phil and i are are also you know magnolia obsessives we, so it's we're right there with you topsy-turvy you know i respect you too much to to argue with you on <laughs> it's better than go and guinevere Topsy oh, Turvy. Topsy Turvy. I, I actually think I did give it a better rating than Go. Um, Wait, but, a twist. Well, a twist. So no, I, 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 I hope you don't listen to the Go episode. I mean, the Go episode. Truly, I'll just give you the preview right now. It's, yeah. We we love Sarah Polly and we love the first act. act. <laughs> like with all my heart, that's my favorite thing. Yeah. And I also like the second act a lot, even though there's a lot of stuff that doesn't age that well. But I, I really love this the energy of the second act. And then something happens in the third act that like I don't know where it came from. I don't know what was happening. But um it's it's, it's really very much a, a relic of its time. It's a game panic. I'm crazy, joke about, I'm like crazy, crazy about the, the first yeah. act. But the like, first yeah. and I think you're you know, I know no one orders orange juice like you did. So, wait, the, what do the, I say? No, no, you just I'll, when when William Fickner tries wait, to William Fickner tries to give you a beer to prove you're underage, and you're yeah. and you were working at the store, and right. you you sold them all the orange juice. You're like, that just yeah. has some of that orange, orange juice. juice. Yeah, you knew it was up. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I don't remember that at all. I'm gonna look it up. It sounds great. <laughs> that guy is dope too. That's a like that's William a, Fickner. Yeah. Good in that movie. That's an amazing cast and like kind of an amazing moment. Uh, I I don't know. We really like my my. Uh-oh. <laughs> Kenny just froze. Oh, no, he's back. He's back. He's back. There he is. You, oh, and he froze again. Uh, he'll, oh, there he is. I'm back. I don't know. You're back. You're back. You're back. You're back. Uh, I blame Zoom.us. Um, sure. uh, yeah. Topsy very strong. So uh, what, what other movies in 99, Sarah, that jump out at you? I loved All About My Mother. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. I love Toy Story 2 a lot. Yes. A lot of people. I mean, we love it too, but it, it's come up a lot on our <laughs> our, our friends' favorite yeah. movies. Have you had enough? Had no, enough? No, I, no, 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 no. I, you know, I, 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 I think. And he's a Toy Story three guy. I'm a Toy Story three man. Well, Toy Story three is a better movie, but it wasn't made in 1999, so I'm, I can't compare it in the context. It's true. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I the exercise. No, no, you're totally right. I do my. I, I guess my. I guess it's always you know because Toy Story two is the 99 movie. 
Mm-hmm. I feel this like Toy Story 2 hive versus Toy Story 3 hive thing. <laughs> and I always feel like I got to represent for the threeers. But I love <laughs> all four of them. Yeah. I, 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 I'm obsessed with all four of them. Yeah. Okay. No, so and then what, do you have a fifth one? Yeah, the fifth is being John Malkovich. Yeah. What's I mean, better than BJM? <laughs> what, what was interesting to me about seeing, you know, going through this list was mm. realizing how many movies I saw that year. And it's so many more movies than I see yet and see now in a year. So it was kind of nice I, realizing that was a year I'd actually seen a lot of movies. I think it was a year a lot of people saw a lot of movies. I uh, think that it was a year where, um, not to take anything away from you seeing a lot of movies, but I do think that it felt like there was something in the water that year. You know, yeah. we've talked about this a lot, but like just all of these really interesting films coming out right before the millennium and all these it just it felt like there was something drawing people to the theaters that great time um, to go to the movies films had like this life and it they were it was such a great thing and as you said you know i mean all about my mother is one of many great foreign films that year Mm -hmm. um we've we've probably done 10 or 15 we really love uh and there were a lot of great docs as a documentarian i mean you know some really really great docs too that and you know and like there were always great docs i think every year there are great documentaries if you're looking but these there were a lot that really like broke through what were the other foreign films and docs that you guys because i think american movie is a big documentary uh, uh-huh. that came out yeah. in 99 um Vista social club was yes. a big doc mr death which we did mr death which is yeah. a great movie um and the other foreign American films Pimp I mean, was also 99 sorry. american yeah. pimp i mean foreign films we did audition was 99 and princess mononoke was 99 girl on the bridge uh girl on the bridge which we love um and what do we oh, rosetta which won the or oh, and there a lot of really yeah just a lot of really big uh films i mean you know and daniel waters is coming on next week to talk about three french movies we've never heard of <laughs> come on and talk about a bunch of movies we've never heard of yeah. um but speaking of going to the movies everyone needs to see women talking sarah i went to see it on i went to a guild screening the other day and just a spectacular movie just yeah, i mean i haven't seen it because you know i don't see movies that often but i, I can't wait to <laughs> he's go he's got four kids you know it's it's he's, got, he's busy but, <laughs> but sarah I, I know this is probably an annoying question like truly an annoying question are there other movies this year that you've seen that you really love i mean considering you like you're in the thick of it in a way that very few people yeah get to so ever I be my favorite film of the last few years mm. and it's a canadian film called brother mm-hmm. and it knocked me cold it was so good it's the best one of the best performances i've ever seen in my life certainly the best performance in the last five years nice i mind um by um a young man named lamar i think it's lamar johnson okay um and it is extraordinary so i just like i don't know if it has u.s release yet or not but that's I just thought that was the most incredible yes. film. And then I have to catch up with all the rest. I, I haven't had any time to watch movies, but in the next week, I'm hoping to catch up with everything else this year. Nice. Well, we know that we have to let you go. Um, we could talk to you for hours, but um, I, I... I think I do have a little bit of flexibility because oh, okay. I was originally okay. had a hard out at 2.30 and I have to do it something after this, but okay. I can delay for five minutes if you want to keep talking. Right. I, yeah. yeah fuck yeah, yeah let's go talking. let's go five minutes with you fantastic uh yeah i mean th- listen I, I i not to belabor the point but um everyone should see women talking it is a wonderful film um i think you're uh you're gonna have a very eventful uh next few months i imagine with this film um but i i'm curious you know just because i'm greedy but um are there other projects that you're hoping to do in the future is this like i know that's the worst question when you're in the middle of releasing a film but yeah, I mean, there's a few things I've been developing for years and years that are kind of ready to go and I really want to make, but I, I'm not sure what's next. And I sure, feel like sure. those might not be what's cool. next next, but I I do have things I'd like to take another 10 years off or anything. I'm really looking forward to, to, to when you do your Marvel movie. I mean, I know that's... <laughs> me too. It's going to be very that's interesting. interesting. But me too. Wait, so I, 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 what, what, just level with us. Yeah. What's it like, like right now for you? 
What is this like? You put out you put out a movie people are really excited about with a ton of really exciting actors. The the word of mouth has been amazing. The reviews have been amazing. You're you're about to embark on like I don't know if you care or not. We do because we're losers. You're about to embark on an incredible like you know award season situation. Sure. Um, what is in this moment like? And I'm sure you are just doing six two zooms a day with people who you know have actual followings. Suppose us. So what's this like? <laughs> Um, it's, it's really, it's fun. It's, it's interesting because I think talking about the film has been interesting because people seem to map totally different things onto it. So getting to hear people's responses is genuinely interesting. Like, I feel like I'm in interesting conversations every day, which is great. It's, um, kind of thrilling and very unexpected. And at the same time, it's really, um, confusing because, you know, I didn't make films for 10 years because I wanted to be really present for my kids. And then I made this film with short working hours in Toronto so that I didn't disappear on them. And I was around all the time. And now suddenly I'm away all the time promoting this movie. And it's like, this is, how did this happen? Everything, you know, all of my choices have been so conscious yeah. that I've become a parent. And so I, I am, I'm away a lot, but everyone seems to be surviving and, and, yeah, so that I find hard and weird, but it's thrilling. I mean, it's thrilling to ha have, you know, a film where people are in conversation with it and excited about it and and talking about it and sharing their own experiences and and I'm I'm finding I'm having to think on my feet a lot. I'm not getting a lot of the same questions, which is That's good. an amazing experience. Sure. And uh and and it's been good because we've sort of been traveling in packs, like the whole cast sort of travels together everywhere. So it doesn't feel like it's all on me. And no, I mean, it's amazing. I've never made a studio movie and I had this utopian experience with a studio, which, you know, I've avoided studios my whole life in one yeah. form or another. And it was literally like that thing that you were saying about how, people try to make films more black and white. I had the opposite experience on this film where my main notes for my producer and studio were trust your audience more, let go of the handlebars, nice. like oh, wow. take it, take it down to its bare minimum and assume the audience is filling in the blanks. And if there's a problem, we'll tell you, but you need to take out every single thing you have in there for security purposes. Sure. Oh, and God, that was awesome. crazy, right. To have that. Yeah. From a that doesn't happen. So I feel like I just lived this thing that doesn't exist and I may never get to experience again. Um, it, you know, the people who were at the studio at the time we made this film, you know, have made great films. I mean, you know, Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi were our executives at MGM and Mike is, you know, behind some of my favorite P.T. Anderson movies. And sure. you know, like these people know, and Pam, Pam was the one who was just constantly had faith in the film, even when it wasn't working and encouraged me to sort of see the long view. And I don't know, it's just a weird thing to have really nice things to say about a studio because I'd be more than happy <laughs> To yeah. be honest about a crappy experience, <laughs> I'd love to, but sure. I just feel like I'm waiting to wake up. And then they're supporting the film so much and they're rolling out this huge campaign for a movie that's, you know, a bunch of women sitting around in a barn talking about something. Sure. So I don't know. It just feels great. Did yeah. Was the, the Frances McDormand component of it, which is she's a producer on the film as well. Was yeah. that was that. I mean, I imagine that's helpful. I mean, I imagine she's running interference to some degree and, and giving and empowering you in the equation as well. Yeah. I mean, I had a really strong producing team. So I had Francis and I had Dee Dee Gardner mm -hmm. um, at Plan B and um, and it was Plan B's put picture at MGM, which basically is, you know, they have this deal, but yep. then there's one film a year they have to basically say yes to and not interfere too much. And, and that was this film. That's and nice. And then we got the budget we wanted for it, which I just kept, I just keep waiting <laughs> for the big catch, but it hasn't come yet. So, yeah, yeah. I don't, you, I don't I see mean, it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, it, I mean, it'll it's, happen I'm, on the next film. This, this well, one seems yeah. like it's, this is one of the good ones, it's, but it's, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's also such a great, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's such a, Look, it's not a happy movie, but it seems it, it's incredibly intriguing for me as a viewer. Like the 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 one liner and everything I've heard about it, I, I cannot wait to sit in that barn. I, um, I I will just say too, you know, I went to see it with my roommate, and we left the theater, and you know, it's incredibly propulsive. 
yes, it's a group of women sitting in a barn talking, but it is, it's suspenseful and it's fascinating. And you're just, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're absolutely, um, along for the ride and can't wait to see sort of what happens next. And I mean, all the components are there. It's beautifully photographed. I mean, the score is, is exquisite. Like just, you know, anyway, I don't need to tell you anything. You don't I already like know. I should but... take you with me so that whenever I try to pitch my movie to people, when I'm trying to sell it as it's a bunch of people sitting around in a barn, you can come in. Phil, and are you okay that. with that? Are you okay with going with that? I, I gladly will go wherever uh, you want me to go, sir. I, I, well, I think, I, I, I think personally, that the reason I'm so intrigued is it does sound like a bit of a high wire act. Um, and that's, those are my most exciting uh, movie going experiences. The like, Oh, wait, wait, a movie with 12 women. It's 12, right? Uh, it's, it's, like that, yeah. it's a movie with 12 women in the barn is the movie everyone's excited about. <laughs> how is that? How, how is that a thing? Yes, I yes. can't wait to get, I mean that, I mean that. That's so, that's so exciting to me to, to see something so atypical uh, enthrall people. You know, that's it's part of why I love last night so much. You know, um, I think, you know, you mean a movie at the end of the world where it's just going to end? Yeah. Uh, very exciting. So <laughs> where is Bruce Willis when we need him? <laughs> well, speaking of of ending, Sarah, um, we should let you go because I know thank you have you so things much. you have this to do. This was so nice to get oh to my God. be this here. Was a, an absolute yes, joy. And best. thank you for taking the time. We know how busy you are and, yes. and everything. So we're thank just so excited to see you. It's forward to being a guest on 2009 where I can detail <laughs> my life experience in a, right. a horrific manner. <laughs> oh boy, that, that's a cliffhanger right there. Yeah, that'll get people listening. There you, you go. You, you paid us. You paid us the highest compliment. The compliment I've always wanted from people that I've never gotten except from you, which is that you listen to us working out. Because I don't. <laughs> I only the podcasts I listen to work when I work out are the podcasts that maybe make the workout less bad. Because I hate working out. Well, yeah, amazing. me too. And, I can't listen. The fact to that, I could have shut it off if it wasn't good. Yeah, well, right. the fact so, that so the much. fact that you do that warms my heart in a way. That's it's true. That's actual, it's, you that's you don't listen enjoyment. to bad podcasts when you work out. That's right. God no, totally. Yeah, yeah. So only thank the you best. So so much, Sarah. We really appreciate it. As you can see, I'm not in great shape. So like you know, it's not like Lies. something every day. Ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, it's, that's what happens every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so so much, Sarah, and and, and we hope, would love to talk to you again soon in the future. Thank you. So nice. Take care, Sarah. Nice to meet you too. Good luck with everything. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.